We're starting a new series, as you can see by this uh, wonderful graphic behind me, starting a new series this week called Sign of the Times. Over the next three weeks, we're going to be looking at some of the one-liners from the world-famous El Arroyo. Since 1975, El Arroyo has been serving up Tex-Mex and laughs uh, through their uh, famous marquee sign that stands at the corner of Fifth and Campbell in Austin, Texas. Uh, you've, you've probably seen this sign before. You've seen it uh, online. You've seen it uh, uh, on social media. It's pretty, pr- pretty famous. Uh, I want to share, I want to start off by sharing a few of my favorites that uh, we loved, but there's, we just couldn't figure out a way to actually preach these. So here are a few of my favorites. This one says, the fastest land mammal is a toddler who's been asked what's in their mouth. <laughs> Didn't know how to preach that one. Maybe Jesus says, let the little children come home to me. Anyway, um, this, is, this is maybe my favorite one. What if soy milk is just regular milk introducing itself in Spanish? Uh, and then this one's great. Uh, the temperature went from 90 to 55 like it saw a state trooper. Uh, so this sign, as you see, it r- rotates regularly. And it has become really a Texas icon. Um, it's always got something funny or quippy to say. Uh, But sometimes there is, like, deep truth in that humor. There's something really profound that comes in those quips. And I think that's definitely true for the one that we're going to be looking at today. So our sign for today, our jumping off point, is this one. It says, on the surface, cool as a cucumber. On the inside, squirrel in traffic. (laughs) Okay, we we laugh. It's funny. Uh, but it is also painfully accurate for so many of us. How many of us spend so much energy trying to make sure that we look good on the outside, that we look put together, but in reality, we're freaking out. We're worried. We're anxious. We're we're squirrels in traffic. If we're honest, so many of us struggle with worry. That's why I love that song, Breathe. What a perfect song for us. Um, We struggle with worry. We pretend that we don't. We pretend that we're cool as cucumbers, but the truth is, we're not. Most of us are squirrels dodging 18-wheelers. And here's how I know this is true. Amazon did a study a few years ago to see the most highlighted lines in a variety of books. And so they looked at some of like the top 10 books of the year. They looked at the Lord of the Rings series, the Harry Potter series, They wanted to see what lines resonated with people. Well, one of the books that they analyzed was the Bible. Unsurprisingly, the Bible is the most highlighted book uh, overall on the 150 million Kindle e-readers that have been sold uh, worldwide. And so Amazon examined this massive set of data to see what people marked most in the digital versions of their Bibles. And and I want you to think, what would you guess? Like you might think John 3.16. Or you might think Psalm 23, the Lord is my shepherd. Right, that's what I would have guessed. Uh, Those are great guesses, but it's it's none of those. The most highlighted verses in all of the Bible are our scripture for today. This is Philippians chapter four, verses six through nine. Let's read. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, 
let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is pleasing, whatever is commendable, if there is any excellence, and if there is anything worthy of praise, think about these things. And as for the things that you've learned and received and heard and noticed in me, do them. And the God of peace will be with you. Okay, so Paul, the Apostle Paul, writes this letter to the church in Philippi. This church was started by Paul on his second missionary journey. It was the first church established in Europe. And as if you you read this this letter, it's clear that Paul has a deep love for this church. And so he writes to them, and he writes these words of appreciation for uh, their spiritual support, but also their financial support. And then he writes these words of encouragement, which is pretty incredible because Paul is writing this letter around 60 AD when he finds himself in a Roman prison. Things are not going well for him. And yet, what does he tell him? He says, don't be anxious. Don't worry. Find God's peace. That's coming from a guy sitting in a jail cell. It's amazing. And I think it speaks to the fact that even 2,000 years ago, Paul knew that worry was one of the great challenges facing the church. Again, of, of any set of verses in the entire Bible, this is the most highlighted still today. Why? Because so many of us still struggle with worry. So many of us are still seeking peace. And I love this scripture because in it, Paul gives the church in Philippi really practical advice, practical wisdom. He tells them how to deal with worry, how to attain peace when they feel like a squirrel in traffic. So let's look back at our scripture and see what he says to do. The first thing Paul tells the Philippians and us is to do the heart work. Paul says, when you worry, pray about it. Practice thankfulness. Do that and you will find a peace that passes all understanding. Paul says, when you're worrying about something, the first thing you should do is the inner work. And this is a powerful reminder for us because so often when we worry, We fail to do the inner work, the heart work. We blast right by it. We don't stop and and, and really assess and evaluate what we're worrying about. In fact, I read read a study this week where researchers took a large group of people who self-identified themselves as worriers. And they asked them every night to write down their worries uh, for a month. And then after 30 days, They were told to revisit each one of those worries from each night and and mark which worries came to fruition. Research found that 91.4% of their worries never actually happened. Almost 92% never occurred. The vast majority of the things causing them anxiety. The point is, oftentimes our fears don't reflect the reality around us. And if we stop and take a second and really evaluate, 
we look at our worries, we see that, that they don't stand up all that well. Like, are you afraid to fly? Because I am. I hate planes. Did you know that you have a point zero 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 one percent chance of being involved in an airplane crash? That's still probably a little bit too high for me, but you get the point. Uh, are you afraid of heights? That's the second most reported fear. Well, your chance of being injured by falling is one in 550,000. Are you scared of lightning? The odds of being struck by lightning are one in 2.3 million. So often we worry about things that just aren't worth worrying about, which is why Paul calls us to prayer. Because one of the amazing things about prayer is that it offers us a chance to do the heart work, to look within and really evaluate our worries. And that's what prayer is. In fact, the Hebrew word for prayer is tefillah, which also means to judge oneself, to self-evaluate. So to the Hebrews of the Bible, like Paul, Prayer wasn't just a time when they asked God for things. That was a part of it, definitely. But it was also a time for inner work, for heart work. They used prayer to process their worries with God and to really analyze their lives, to, to self-evaluate. That's a big part of how prayer functions too. I love what the, the Christian author Philip Yancey says in his book, Prayer, does it make any difference? Fantastic book, by the way. Uh, but he says, in prayer, I shift my point of view away from my own selfishness. I climb above the timberline and look down at the speck that is myself. Prayer is the act of seeing reality from God's point of view. I love that. Prayer is trying to see reality from God's point of view. It's putting things into perspective. It helps us evaluate our worries on a grander scale. Because when we do that, oftentimes we find peace. Let's try and apply this to our lives. Let me give you like a really real world example. Imagine you're having conflict with someone in your life. A friend, a family member, a coworker, whoever. And imagine you feel anxious about it, right? We've probably all been there. This is, a, this is a huge source of worry and anxiety for a lot of us. Okay, so if you have this conflict and you decide to, to just bury it, or if you decide to immediately lash out at this person, it's probably not gonna get any better. So Paul would say the best thing to do is to stop and do the heart work. First, pray. Talk to God about it. Self-evaluate. Ask yourself some questions like, what's your part in this conflict? Is it right for you to be anxious? Is the other person getting worked up about it as much as you are? What specifically is worrying you so much about this situation? We do that first. And then... We take it a step further, and we practice gratitude. Remember what Paul said in our scripture. Paul says, go to God in prayer with thanksgiving. 
And so we try and practice thankfulness. So in this situation, you might ask yourself, what are you grateful for about this person? It's not always an easy question to ask ourselves when we're upset with somebody, but what are you grateful for? What are you grateful for about your relationship with them? See, sometimes just doing this, just praying and evaluating and and practicing gratitude, sometimes that's enough. And we settle down and we find some peace. And that's why we do the heart work, the inner work that Paul calls us to. Because when we do it, it can bring us that peace that passes all understanding. You know, uh, last year I was really struggling with anxiety and, and worry um, there was a lot going on here at the church. There was a lot going on in, in my life. And it was kind of consuming me. And so I decided that I, I desperately needed to establish some, some practices into my life to help with this. And I've talked about this before, probably a couple times, so forgive me. But one practice that has been extremely powerful for me is something I do every single night before bed. For the last year, every night... I use my 10 fingers to pray and to practice gratitude. So the first thing that I do is I list off five things that I'm grateful for from the day. It can be big things. It can be small things. Um, Some days I have a great day and I can rattle off. It feels like eight or 10. And then other days I am like struggling to find the fifth one. Uh, but, But I do this first. And I count these things out every night, one at a time. And I go through them. And then after that, on the other hand, I do the five-finger prayer. This is is something I actually got from uh, Pastors John and Todd, uh, and and I love it. Uh, And so you start with your thumb. Your thumb points inward. And so first, you pray for those closest to you. Your family, your friends, whoever. Uh, With your pointer finger, you pray for those in your community who point the way. And so a lot of times for me, this looks like I pray for like educators, I pray for the medical community, for first responders, kind of anyone in your community who you feel like has, you know, some, some, some leadership. Your middle finger is your tallest, highest finger. And so you pray for the highest in, in the world. You pray for uh, leaders of our nation, like the president, you pray for Congress, you pray for leaders of the world. Your ring finger is your weakest finger. And so uh, you pray for the most vulnerable and marginalized in society. You pray for those who are sick and hurting. And then finally, with your pinky finger, your smallest, most insignificant final finger, you pray for yourself. And I do this every single night. And I know it may sound a little cheesy, but it has been huge for me. There is something really powerful about taking my worries to God in prayer and forcing myself, whether I want to or not, forcing myself to be grateful. In doing this practice, I have found a lot of peace, genuinely. And so we pray and we self-examine and we practice gratitude. We do the heart work. And sometimes just doing that is enough. Sometimes we do that, and you know what? We're good. But other times, we have to take that next step that Paul shares with us. After we've done the heart work, sometimes we have to move on and do the hard work. You see what I did there. (laughs) Remember what Paul writes. 
He says, as for the things that you've learned and received and heard and noticed in me, do them. And the God of peace will be with you. So the first part of our scripture is all about the inner work. It's prayer and gratitude. But the second part is about the outer work. Paul says, do the things that you've learned and heard. Think about them first, yes, but then do them. And that's the hard work. See, there are going to be times when the inner work, the heart work, leads us to the hard work. There are are going to be times when we actually have to face our worries head on. Take the example of that conflict that we just talked about, the, the conflict with someone that you're worried about. Sometimes you take that to God, you practice gratitude, and you realize that what you're anxious about just isn't worth the energy that you're giving it. And that's the end of the line. You find peace, and you're good. But other times, you do those same things, and you come to the conclusion that in order to find full peace, you need to have a hard conversation. You need to address it directly. Sometimes the heart work precipitates hard work. The inner work points us to outer work, and when it does, we have got to be willing to do what Paul says, to do what is honorable and what is just and pure and pleasing and commendable and excellent. Sometimes we've got to do them. We've got to attack our anxieties with action. I'll never forget the first sermon I preached I was a senior in college, I was 21 years old, and somehow I found myself pastoring two tiny congregations in rural Arkansas. Uh, I was set to be the interim minister at Cecil UMC and Vesta UMC. Here they are. They had a pretty strong marquee game themselves. This says, Jesus said, I'll be back, way before Arnold did. It's a pretty good bit. I was proud of them. Uh, That's me. Should have gotten a haircut. But... uh, But these two little churches, I was going to be their pastor, and they were about 100 miles from Fayetteville where I was in school. Vesta worshipped about 15, 18 on a good day. Cecil worshipped about 40. That was my megachurch. Well, my first Sunday was going to be, was set to be the first Sunday of October. And in the weeks leading up to it, I was a mess. (laughs) I was extremely worried. I had no idea what I was going to preach about. I had never preached a sermon before. Never even gotten close. I, I had been in my dad's sermons before, but that's, that's as far as I had gotten. Um, never preached before. Didn't know how to select a scripture. I wasn't sure if pastors just like flip through the Bible and drop a finger and go with that. I, I didn't know how it worked. And so I spent weeks worrying about this, racking my brain for something I could talk about. And I was thinking things like, how am I going to write anything meaningful for these people? What if it is a disaster? What what if I embarrass myself? Why did I do this? I shouldn't have said yes. Well, I was was talking to my girlfriend, Hannah, about this, uh, about how anxious I was, how I couldn't come up with anything uh, to preach about. And she listened. And we talked about it a little bit. Uh, But then the next day, I found a card on my desk. And Hannah had written me this really sweet, encouraging note. And in it, it was was so sweet. It was was all about how everything was going to be okay, how she was proud of me, how she was with me no matter what. And then at the very end of this note, she included 
Philippians chapter 4, verses 6 through 9. The most highlighted scripture in the Bible. And I read that note, and I knew instantly what scripture to use. And so I got up on the first Sunday in October, and I gave what was probably a terrible little sermon about worry. And I used the exact same text that we're talking about today. And you know what? That service came to an end, and I survived. And I went back the next week, and I preached again, and again the next week, again, and so on. And slowly but surely, my worry lessened. See, sometimes all we can do is face our worry head on. All we can do is the hard work. I'm grateful for my now wife who was wise enough to to remind me of that. See, all of us are going to have moments when worry gets the best of us. We just are. We're going to have moments when we pretend to be as cool as a cucumber, but really we are freaking out like a squirrel in traffic. So when that happens, let's do the heart work, and then let's do the hard work when we need to. Let's face our worries head on, knowing that God is with us every step of the way. See, that's the great truth for us tonight. No matter what you're worried about, no matter what's causing you stress, no matter what's causing you anxiety, it's not bigger than Jesus. We serve a risen Savior. We can't forget that. We can't leave that in last week. We can't forget that God loved us so much that he lived and he died and he rose again so that the scariest things that this world has to worry us about, death and evil and hopelessness, those things have already lost. It's over, it's done. We're an Easter people. Not just last week, but every week. Not just one Saturday and Sunday a year, but every Saturday and every Sunday, every year, every day, every year. So we don't have to worry. But when we inevitably do, let's remember this scripture. The one I read in that note. The first one I ever preached. The most highlighted verses in the Bible, which says... Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is pleasing, whatever is commendable, if there is any excellence, And if there is anything worthy of praise, think about these things. As for the things that you've learned and received and heard and noticed in me, do them. And the God of peace will be with you. Hallelujah. Amen. Will you pray with me? God, We come to you tonight with a myriad of worries. Lord, it is easy 
to say that, that we've got the victory and, and, and that, that you've got it all figured out, but we still struggle. We still worry. We still feel anxious. God, remind us tonight that you are always there, that you are always listening, that in any moment we can talk to you. God, it is amazing that we can talk to you, the creator of, of the cosmos, the biggest thing that ever was or ever will be, and we have a direct line to you anytime. It is almost unfathomable. But God, we're grateful. So Lord, tonight, help us to be more active in our prayer lives. Help us to find ways to practice gratitude. Help us to do the heart work. And then, Lord, if we need to, if we need to go that next step, be with us as we do hard work. As we address the things that, that worry us. Lord, help us to breathe. To know that you are bigger than any of it. Jesus, we love you. And we pray all of this in your beautiful name. Amen. Thank you for joining us. Please make sure to rate, review, and subscribe so you don't miss new releases. We'll have new podcasts coming out all the time. Be sure to check us out online at whiteschapelumc.com. Please download the WC Life app and follow us on social media to stay up to date with all things WC.